Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, you see the stool, and there's two of us. That's right. Well, somebody's going to stand and chat. So, um, uh, yeah, here's, uh, here's, so here's the deal, guys. Last week, Molly and I, or I don't know when we decided that this is a mess. I don't know when we decided that we were going to co-teach last week. But anyway, um, we got the idea somehow that we were going to team teach and we survived it. Uh, and someone said, hey, that was really cool that you guys did that. You should do it for like the whole series. And we thought... I don't know if the marriage can take it. Like, <laughs> no, that's not what we thought. We thought this was really fun, and so needing more material every week. That's right, right? That's more right. material. So we, this week is going to be on marriage relationships again, and probably next week. No, but uh, anyway, so Molly and I decided that uh, for the for the next couple of weeks, we are going to uh, join forces and share together just kind of her observations about things and my observations. And uh, the name of our series is Tips and Tricks for. Making life better. Making life better in the new year. So just kind of put your New Year's hats on. And what we're uh, what we're wanting to do here is we're wanting to launch 2023 in a really, really powerful way for all of us. And probably the most wise and powerful thing that any of us could do to um, to start our new year really, really well and to have an amazing year is to just come to God through the scripture and say, what do you have to say to us about life um, that we can learn from you, you know, through the scripture? And so each week we um, are taking a different topic that feels really, really important to us. And I'll be honest with you guys. One of the things that we thought about when we were um, when we were sort of dreaming of the sermon series is that we would have topics that would be so relevant and so important to you, to you guys that you would say, hey, this is a message that I think my friend so-and-so would really benefit from hearing. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys to invite someone to come and hear these talks over the next couple of weeks. And so um, next week, January 22nd, uh, just like Molly was talking about, we're going to have a special Sunday where we're going to have uh, the, this, this speaker that's going to be doing the conference. And he's going to be sharing on how uh, transforming the love of God is, the Father's heart. And so I would encourage you guys, if you know people that, that are far from God or think weird things about him or think that he is unloving or uncaring, bring a friend to that. So that's next week, the 22nd. On January 29th, we're going to be talking about tips and tricks for thriving with our money. And the Bible has so much to say. Believe me, uh, of the of the you know hundreds of scriptures uh, in the Bible that talk about money, it's not all tithe, 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 even though that's really important to us. There is so much wisdom in scripture um, that where God wants us to thrive with our finances, there's wisdom there. And so we'll talk about tips and tricks for thriving with our money on the 29th. And then on the 5th, you want to talk about that one? Time, how to steward our time well, how to make the most of our time. So we're looking forward to those yeah, yeah. coming topics. So, okay, so today's topic, why don't you talk about today's topic and do we have, where's Yes, the... so today's topic, we are looking at stress and we wanted to find out, is there anyone in church that if you were on a scale from like zero, like, you know, absolutely almost no heartbeat to 10, totally stressed, 
where is anyone in this church at like teetering like at a nine, a 9.5? Okay, okay, Wendy, come up. Judy, okay. come up. We have two, two promises of how to relieve your stress. One of them is a relief spray, essential oil relief spray. It says stress relief. And then that? one is a tea. These things promise stress relief. Okay, for the rest of you guys that are not stressed, I'm so happy for you. But underneath your chairs, there might be a yellow post-it note that says no stress. We have a few more gifts to give away. Mary, do you mind? They're underneath my thing there. See if there should be a yellow post-it note. There should be like maybe four more out there, five more out there somewhere. You might have to look in the neighbor's chair. Yay, Nathan. So come get Mary has the rest of... The products, the stress relief products. Come grab one. While you're getting your stress relief products, you should have a note, a piece of paper, a note for today. Spray. It's like, yeah. So, um, missing a couple more, but that, okay. All right. Yeah, there should be a yellow paper, yellow paper underneath. There should be a couple more. Terry's got one back there or... Oh, yeah. Cynthia has one. Okay. While they're doing that, do you guys have your notes? Hold up your notes. Do you have notes? Pens are in front of you. If you like to take notes, um, if that stresses you out, tear it up right now. Just tear it up. Put it away. All right. So um, many of you guys know that I ran cross country and track in college and I was a long distance runner. And here's the thing about long distance running. Um, you are always trying to optimize your training and conditioning to the point where you are just right on the edge of like absolutely optimal training. Like you are pushing, you're getting as many miles in as you can. You're working your body as absolutely hard as you can, but you're on the edge where you're not overdoing it, where you end up injured. So it's this balancing. I can never really know where that line is. And so many long distance runners suffer from over time, they get an, you get an overuse injury. And uh, so my career was really riddled with like being in really, really good shape, the best shape of my life, and then, and then ending up in some sort of injury. Well, my sophomore year, I started having a pain in the middle of my quad. And uh, the pain was at first just a dull ache. And so you kind of train through things and try to figure out what's really going on. And the pain started getting a little bit worse. And so I started seeing a trainer and we did all these typical like icing, heat, stretching, trying to work out some, maybe something muscular. And as I continued to train and race, the pain got worse and worse. And they finally was to a point that was, was really, really painful. They sent me to uh, see a doctor and he did a bone scan and discovered that in my femur, which is the largest bone in your body, I actually had a stress fracture. A stress fracture. What happens is the stress, the pounding of the road, coupled with um, inability to absorb calcium, actually, you can actually get a break in your bones from something like running. And it actually, even in the biggest bones of your body, they are susceptible to the negative effects of stress. And they fracture, they break, and it's painful, and they lose all their strength. And so the doctor ordered two things. The doctor told me I have to do two things to recover, to get my strength back, my wholeness back, to first of all, resolve the pain, but then also to like increase the strength. And so I can continue to train is he said, first of all, no running. You have to stop running for three months. You have to reduce the pounding and the pressure from the road that your body is taking from the road. Right? So no running. And then the second thing is that he said, 
You have to take some supplements. You have to take calcium and D. You have to do some things just to strengthen your bones. And so what we want to do today is we want to look at stress as this, this, this exactly what we're talking about here, something that could fracture even the strongest of our lives, the strongest of our bones that could cause pain, that could take apart relationships, marriage, work life, our peace, our rest, our ability to and to just actually enjoy life. We want to take a look at the the, uh, the effects of stress in our lives. And we want to do two things. We want to offer tips and tricks that would, first of all, reduce the pressure of the road. Some things that we can do to take off the pounding of the road. And then we want to look at some things that would strengthen our bones. So that's our first two things there on your notes. First thing we're going to do is reduce the pounding, the pressure of life, the things that are coming at us, and we're going to look at how we strengthen our bones, okay? So do you want to kick things off with how we might reduce some of the pressure yes, of the road? Yes. Okay. Hey, Mal, do you, do you remember, this just came to mind, so I, uh, I, being a pastor is like the perfect job for me based on my personality type and things like that, and my parents used to say, Kevin is the king of advice, right? I was constantly advising them on how to parent and all that stuff, but do you remember when Molly and I, so Molly was a top runner at Purdue University, and um, when she and I started dating, do you remember when we went for the run and I started to instruct her on how she could improve her stride within like five minutes of a, and yeah, that was, yeah, go Kevin, she's like, I'm not listening to you at all. Anyway, so, uh, uh, so, okay, here is where we are at the first, um, so we're talking about how can we reduce pounding. We're going to give you a couple of uh, uh, tips for how we can reduce the pounding stress of life. And my take, so I'm going to share things that have been helpful for me. Molly will share some things that have been helpful for her. For her. But one, the thing that I first felt like I wanted to share with you guys is I want to encourage us when it comes to reducing the pounding stress of life is I want to encourage and challenge you to curate to curate the messages that come into your life. In other words, I want to um, challenge you to be thoughtful and to decide what messages um, that will come into your heart, what messages you will listen to and receive, and which ones you will turn the volume down to zero on. And two weeks ago, Molly and I were on uh, vacation down in Florida over Christmas time, and um, there was a night where we had, so we had, you know, just a little rental car, and we had all three of our adult children with us and we were trying to get somewhere and we didn't know where we were and we didn't know exactly how to get where we were going so we had the nav on and all three of our kids are crammed in the back seat and they were fighting about who's in the middle it doesn't change when they're 23 apparently uh, but they're fighting about who's in the middle and at the same time they have hip-hop music cranked to 10 in our car and so we're trying to figure out the nav they're yelling the music is blaring and Molly and I, I think we endured it really, really well for about three minutes. And then we just said enough of this. And we told the kids, we're turning the volume down. The music is off, right? Because it was just stressing us out so much. And I just make an analogy there because in the same way that we were trying to get someplace, but all of this noise was, was causing us stress and anxiety. You and I are all trying to get somewhere 
in life, aren't we? We're trying to get somewhere in our relationship with God. We're trying to get somewhere in our relationships with key people. We're trying to get somewhere at work. We're trying to get somewhere in terms of leading ourselves in life. But so often we can sort of experience stress that comes from noise blaring around us that makes it so difficult for us to move forward in life. It makes it so difficult for us to really grow because of the sort of the cacophony of noise that is coming in. And it's so important for us to be people that curate the messages that we receive and to know what we need to turn down. And sometimes the noise that we need to turn down is external, right? Sometimes it comes from, I mean, if you open up your news feed, everything that's on the news feed is sensational. Most of it is negative because that's the stuff that sells. Uh, sometimes the, 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 the voices that we hear are from critical, you know, you know, critics around us. But I, I would say, I don't know if this is true of you, but I think it's true of you. It's certainly true of me. And that is that probably the loudest voice that stresses us out is the voice that that we speak in our own two ears, right? There is so much noise that we sort of speak into our lives, and it's called worry, right? It's those negative messages that we hear over and over and over again. And really, that's what worry is. It's us rehearsing and playing over and over again some sort of future, scary, sad, negative outcome over and over again, right? And, and the problem with this is is that we are open to suggestion. Whatever it is that our minds sort of create, whatever we imagine, we start to believe it. And so our hearts believe it, our spirits believe it, and our bodies believe it. And that's why so many of us struggle with the effects of stress and anxiety and worry. Does that make sense to you guys? So here's um, a little tip, and I had read this somewhere along the line, and I think it's completely true, and it's, it's this. Most worry is simply a prediction of a future that doesn't include God. Most worry is simply a prediction of a future that doesn't include God. Now think about it. Think about this. Who is missing in these fictitious futures that we create in our minds when we worry about stuff? Just think about your, what, you know, when you're sort of fretting over something or worrying about something, think about who the characters are in that future thing that scares you, right? Well, you're there. Obviously, maybe there's uh, another person that's there. Maybe it's uh, somebody that you care about and you're worrying about some terrible outcome for them. Maybe it's a boss or somebody that you're you're frustrated with or scared of. So you've got another character and they're kind of playing the evil character. But whatever those, uh, you know, whatever we imagine as those scary things that are probably going to happen to us in the future, who is never in the picture? God. Right. And so I want to just encourage you and challenge you guys to sort of take captive your thoughts, to curate your thoughts and to put God in the center of all of your daydreaming. When you worry about your future, about where you'll be or what will happen or will this happen or not, I want you to just thoughtfully and purposely place God in the middle of that scenario because it will completely change your processing of that. And by the way, um, they once did a study, they did this sort of longitudinal study uh, where they asked people a series of questions. They asked them questions about what it is that you're worried about. Tell me the things that you're, you're afraid of. What do you think is going to happen in your future? And they, they recorded people's worry. And then they monitored these people over a period of years. And what they discovered is that far more than 80%, I can't remember if it was like 83 or 87% of the things that they worried about never came to pass. 
It just didn't happen, right? And so much of what we worry about will never happen. And the reason is, is because God is with us. He is there. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says this, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. Matthew chapter 2 says that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so what is difficult for us to do is to remember that before we ever get to that scary scenario, do you know that God is already at work in your life? And he'll be there for you, that the Holy Spirit is already there. He already knows what's going to happen, and he's there to counsel and strengthen you and give you everything that you need. Do you know that that everything that happens in your future, that you will exist under the care and the love of your heavenly father? And so we need to start to place God where he already is, which is right there in the middle of even our scary scenarios. And so here is my little exercise for us. We're going to do this little exercise, and I hope that you will receive this and actually use this multiple times a day to help you deal with your stress, okay? And so one of the things that I don't know if you guys have an Apple Watch. I've got an Apple Watch right here, and my Apple Watch does this little reminder thing, and it reminds me to breathe. Do you guys have some? Something like that, like, I have to be reminded to breathe, right? Well, it's not that I have to be reminded to breathe. It's that I have to be reminded to breathe deeply. And every, you know, sort of medical journal will tell you that deep breathing, diaphragm breathing, is very, very helpful, right? It takes away stress. It reduces uh, your blood pressure. It restores normal breathing and things like that. And so my little trick, here's what I want to encourage you guys to do. Not just, we're going to do it right now, but I want you to do this all the time, is we're going to do spiritual breathing for a second, okay? And so um, David, King David, was a stressful guy. He had probably a far more stressful life than any of us have uh, in, in these days. And so this guy knew stress, and so he was constantly working on his stress. And so in Psalm chapter 121, David was praying to the Lord, and I think that this was something that he sort of meditated on. And so this is what Psalm 121 says. David says, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? This is, this is the piece. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, everybody read that with me. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do is that multiple times a day, but especially when you hit a moment of of fear or anxiety or worry, I want you to take a deep breath in. And in that deep breath, I just want you to sort of, in your heart, say, ask the question, where does my help come from? And then on that deep breath out, you want to reply to yourself, my help comes from the Lord. And you can even add the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, so we're going to do that right now. So I want you to just take a deep breath in and I want you to ask yourself the question, where does my help come from? Okay, so take a deep breath in. Where does my help come from? And then breathe it out. My help comes from the Lord. This is just sort of a resetting thing. It's good for your heart. It's good for your soul. It's good for your body. Okay, that's my little tip and trick. All right, that's what we're going to do to reduce some of the pounding. Okay. Okay, the second thing that we're going to do, you have my notes. Oh, I'm sorry. And there go my notes. Stressful. Okay, second thing we're going to do to reduce some of that pounding is this. This comes from Philippians 4 in the message version. I'm going to read it to you. It says this, don't fret or worry. Here's the key. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So here's the key that Paul is saying. I want to focus in on this tiny bit. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I love this concept of letting worry just being shaped into a prayer, taking the abs, the, the actual substance or the content of that message, that fear, that fret, that worry, and shaping it into something else. And Paul gives us two types of prayers, petitions, which are it's um, asking God for something, and praises, which is thanking God. Okay, so we're going to take the content of the thing that's just rolling around in our head that we're worrying about, that we're fretting over, that is that is the, the, the producing that pounding in our lives and we're going to shape it into thanksgiving we're going to shape it into requests and so when we uh, uh, when we sent Anna away to school, um, my kids still tend to be like this massive area of stress in my life, even though everyone is in college right now. But when we sent her away to college, um, we sent her away. She had a broken bone in her foot that wasn't fusing. And we sent her to a, a Phoenix all the way so far away. She didn't really uh, know her roommates. It was like sweltering heat. Like we, we didn't even like see the campus. It was so hot. We were like dying. So I'm worried about like her hydration and I'm worried about her foot and what's going to happen and is she going to find medical care and then I, I'm worrying about her faith because I feel like can her faith handle the disappointment and the fact that she's still struggling with this right so it's just kind of spiraling downwards and uh, my worrying kind of hit this all-consuming level and my friend uh, I have a, a spiritual director that I've been working with she just was she brought me the scripture and she said Molly we're going to craft all this worry we're going to just take it and we're going to shape it arts and crafts we're going to shape it into petitions and praise and so it sounded like this I was starting to just take the substance and I was saying you know what God thank you that you are perfect providing for Anna's medical care. God, I thank you that you are already on the scene. I thank you that you are bringing people into her life that are going to care for her spiritual needs. I thank you that you are awakening her heart to know you even in the midst of difficulty. I thank you that you are restoring her. And I could just pray, again, the substance into Thanksgiving. Or I could take the substance and I could ask God, God, you know what? I know, I know that you are good and I thank you that you are working, but God, I ask that you would be really, really faithful in this specific way that you would, um, help her meet, meet, meet people that will absolutely like just disciple her and nurture her, that you'll put a group around her. God, I ask that you would, would bring in what she needs for the, the, her, this care, this medical situation. I just could turn it right into Thanksgiving, into asking God for what I needed. And here's where it gets really good, really powerful, is when we can take the content of our worry, we can shape it into a prayer out of scripture, where we can take something that God had or has already said, and we can, it, it almost is like this energizing force behind our prayer, and we can pray the scripture back to God. Promises, things that he said he would do, and turn it into petitions and praise. Jesus says this in John 15, 7, he said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
There is a power of praying according to the word. Asking, you know, telling God right back, like, God, didn't you say, didn't you say that you would walk us through the valley, right? God, didn't you say that you would answer when we cry out to you? Didn't you say, God, that you would be a place of refuge and support for us in our hour of need? Didn't you say, God, that you would provide according to your riches? And so we can just take the substance of our worry and shape it into prayer. Okay, so I want you guys to just think for just a second about a worry, something that maybe it's work related, maybe it's family related, financial. How could you craft that into a petition or praise? And you might have to pop it on the other side because I, we didn't leave you a lot of space there. But just think for just a second. How can you take something and craft it right now into a petition or praise? And you might have to flip. Just put it down so that you start getting this practice of taking that and shaping it into prayer. And here's the outcome. Here's the promise that Paul tells us. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's a good promise. That's what we want to know as his people. And here's a little testimony about a week or so after Anna was on campus. She was walking to class in her boot and a guy stopped her. A guy came up to her. A man stopped her and said, what's going on with your injury? And so Anna described the whole injury and the history of nonunion. And it happened that this guy was the director of physical therapy at the health clinic. That is two buildings down from her dorm. And he said, come and see me. I'm going to help you. We're going to get physical therapy going. It's $10 a session. That's all it is. And she just need like, isn't it amazing? Like God was like, I will bring this guy to you who is the director of the whole thing here and who will help you get the medical care you need. That's what God does. He settles us down, working everything for good. Okay. All right. That's my first, my second, the second tip or trick on reducing pounding. I'm going to give you one more to reduce the pounding. And it's asking this question. Is it true? Is it true? So my particular flavor of stress, the way I work, Kevin and I are really, really different. Kevin is like pretty chill, if you couldn't figure that out. And how I'm designed is I'm more of the big picture type person in our family and at church. I'm more of like up on the hill, seeing everything. I'm maybe more of the multitasker. So in my mind, at the same time, I tend to carry everything. I tend to carry the the well-being of like the church and what needs to happen with the calendar and how this person is doing and how that person's doing. I tend to carry um, kind of the, the family unfinished business of like this project has to get done and we still haven't finished our will. That thing has been on our to do this for like six years. Um, how, you know, like what bills we have to take care of and the things that have to get done around the house and relationally. And I tend to carry that all at the same time. So I carry what I consider at all times a low grade level of overwhelm, right? And then it just takes one little thing like Kevin leaving his shoes in the hallway. <laughs> to just set me off into a massive tailspin because it's like one more thing, right, on the list of things that are bothering me already. And so I can pretty easily get into like this tailspin. I call it crabby. Kevin might say I get, what did you say last week, mean. (laughs) But 
here's the deal. I have in my mind, I'm living according to my story, my idea of reality. I like to think of the fact that we all have a mental map that we navigate our life through. And we all have our own mental map that's been handed to us from our family of origin, from our background, our spiritual experiences, our education, our personality, all those things come together and we live in a mental map. But here is the truth about all of our mental maps. At the same time, they have both accuracies and inaccuracies, don't they? That the sense of reality that I live out of has at the same time accuracy and inaccuracy. It's like some of the first maps that were created. They did the best they could based on their understanding of the world to provide maps. In fact, I was looking this up, and some of the first maps, like ancient Babylon, they believed they were the center of the world, and they navigated life according to that map. We do the same thing, guys. We navigate our life according to the mental map that we live in, and so what I want us to do is I want us to take a second and just go, listen, what of my map is accurate and what is inaccurate? What if, what if... I'm living in some uh, sense of unreality. What if people weren't judging me like I thought they were? What if people weren't expecting of me what I think they are? What if God's love actually was more all-consuming than the little bit that I'm living out of? What if the pressure I put on myself is not all entirely true, right? What is true? Because it might feel true, but it might not be entirely accurate. But the word of God is an accurate map. The ways of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus are entirely true. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth with us at all times. And so what I want us to do is constantly kind of be submitting our mental map to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, and saying, what well, this is accurate and what is inaccurate. Because we, again, we have, since the beginning of time, since sin entered, we've been forming our own concepts, our own ideas of truth, and it takes this constant submitting back to the Lord. Where are my assumptions off? It's living in Psalm 8611, this prayer. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth, the truth, the absolute complete fullness of truth. And so here's a little tiny bit about how we can do this, how we can do what Paul said in Philippians 4, that part of that scripture, he goes on to say, think about what's true. Whatever is true, think about it. Think about these things. Keep these things as your mental map. Here's how I want us to discern truth. I want us to determine what is actually mine, what's theirs, and what, what's God's. Of what I'm worrying about, what I'm carrying, what I'm living out of, the three-column exercise, what's mine, what's theirs, and what's God's. So I can take an area of complete worry like the church and is it going to be okay and are, are people going to come are people going to go are people going to stay are they you know all those things that I deal with is God really moving you know I can put those down on paper and I have to do this often what is mine mine is to show up in love mine is to be faithful in my lane mine is to obey you mine is to keep my heart as you know just alive and on the altar mine is to follow you with everything that i have right that's my responsibility what's their responsibility right what their responsibility is to answer for them and to show up if the, if god calls them to come here or somewhere else that's between them and the lord right what's god's god you are the energizing force you are the one who builds the church And so I can just put those things on paper. 
and we don't have time to do it now because I know we're, we're running tight here, but will you guys just maybe on the back of your paper later today, tomorrow morning, tonight before you go to bed, think about something you're carrying and start the practice of what is actually mine, what's someone else's, and what's God's in this pressure that I'm feeling. And we can reduce the pressure. We're going to roll some of it off of ourselves onto the Lord and onto other people. Okay? All right. Okay, I'm going to wrap us up um, by giving you sort of a backdrop. So, so far what we've given you guys are uh, just little helpful things for dealing with stress sort of in a moment, right? We're reducing the pounding in the moment. But there is a backdrop to all of this that is so crucial. And what I want to offer to you is this. Our daughter Anna, we've talked about her lots. Uh, she, the reason why she broke her foot, she actually broke her clavicle. Uh, she w- has been a vegan for, uh, I think she was a vegan for three years from like 16 to 19. And, um, and because she was a vegan, she didn't eat meat and she didn't take in any dairy. And Molly and I had this constant battle with her uh, saying, you've got to take your calcium. You've got to take your vitamin D. And she would forget to do that all of the time. And, and so the result of that was that her bones were really, really brittle. And they actually did a bone test on her and, and her calcium was really, really low. So we had to work on it. But it was a real battle. And the reason I say that is this. Um, The same is true for us. We have sort of spiritual bones, right? Our spiritual bones are meant to keep us strong. They're meant to 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 hold us up under sort of the pressure of life and the stress of life and things like that. And as a backdrop to all of these little tips that you can do in a moment, probably the most important thing that we all would do is to do that daily thing. Like if you had bad bones, sure it would be great for you to drink six glasses of milk today, but that isn't going to give you strong bones for the rest of your life. We have to take nutrients in every single day. And what that looks like spiritually is what Jesus described as abiding. And I just want to wrap up with this verse for you guys. Jesus said this, abide in me. And I in you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches and whoever abides in me and I in him. He is it is that bears much fruit for apart from me. You can do nothing. And so just as a backdrop to all of this, I don't know what your spiritual practices have been over the last month or so, but I want to encourage you and challenge you to remain with Jesus, to experience him in your devotional times, experience him through the reading of your Bibles, experience him through through your prayer time, through practicing his presence throughout the day. Keep getting those spiritual nutrients in your life. And so I would just ask you to consider, am I getting all? All that I need and more are my spiritual bones strong or are they weak? Because if they're weak, we will experience life much harder than what we would need to. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and why don't we stand? I'm just going to give you um, one little verse as you guys can stand up. One little verse uh, here, actually. So Jesus's brother, James said this, and this is good advice for literally every sermon that you will ever hear for the rest of your lives. Jesus' brother said this, don't just listen to God's word. 
You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. And so what I would encourage you to do is to take a thing, take one thing that you heard today, something that Molly shared, one of these scriptures, something that I shared, and put it into practice. Make a habit of this thing. Your stress can go down. Your peace can go up. Your hope can go up. You can live a different kind of life. But there are some things that only God can do, and there are some things that God has done, but only we can appropriate those things. This is a time for that. Put it into practice. So why don't we just take a moment and just pray and let the Holy Spirit just come and um, move things around in our hearts and our spirits right now that need to get realigned. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are for us and that you are for wholeness in our lives, that we would have strong, strong spirits, that we have strong lives, strong emotional lives and relational lives and work lives. And so where there's fractures, God, we ask that you would just come right now and strengthen those places by your spirit. Would you show us places where we need to roll off some of the pressure? And how to do that? We welcome you, Jesus, to come and displace worry right now. Just displace it. Take your throne in the center of our lives. I think God delights when we come to him with our cares and our worries and we say, God, take this from me. I am freaking out right now. Take this from me. I'm so discouraged. Take this from me. I am so tired, God. Just present your requests to him now. Present your need to him. For those of you that are at home, just offer your hearts to him. Offer your situation to him. And we just invite you, Lord, to just come and minister your care, to come and minister your wise counsel to us. Holy Spirit, would you just touch our hearts in this moment? 